Guys in the Gulf. So we didn't plan on wearing wearing the same pants. <laughs> Even matching, mate. I got this, eh? Oh. Oh, mine's a bit dirtier than yours, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so open up. So it's, it's like we have. <laughs> We've been planning on doing this for a while, haven't we? Mate, we have so. Like, uh, yeah, what a great thing it's going to be, I think. Uh, I'm really excited, mate. Really looking forward to it. Guys from the Golf Podcast, episode 001. Whew, I'm excited. Been so. Uh, and now that we're actually going, I'm a bit nervous. I don't know. You're going to be some nerves, mate. I don't know. Look, I think we'll just warm up a bit. No, like, the zero alcohol beers probably won't help. Yeah, yeah that doesn't, doesn't help a lot. But, um, but anyway, so. Um, Anyway, I'm I'm Ash Garner, Mikey Cunningham, and uh, yeah, we're the uh, the guys in the golf, and um, this is our podcast. So um, yeah, so I'm Territorian, born and bred, as you know. Um, uh, yeah, born in Darwin, uh, RDH, but uh, my parents lived out at uh, Port Keats at the time. So um, from a very young age, I was living fairly remote, um, out in the bush. Uh, grew up out there, uh, spent a lot of years out there until uh, early teenage years. Went to boarding school, but uh, yeah, first cut my teeth in places like the Moyle River and. You know, little boil and th- things like that, uh, catching barras and crabs and, uh, you know, chasing pigs and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, went to boarding school uh, down in Toowoomba and then, uh, yeah, once uh, finished boarding school, came back up here and loved the Territory. And, uh, yeah, been here ever since. So, been at, uh, yeah, in Borodola or King Ash Bay area for, yeah, 20 odd years now. Yeah, well, my story couldn't really be much dip- uh, more different than that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a Queenslander, born there in Toowoomba. Uh, before I was one year old, moved overseas. My dad was in the army, so he moved, we moved with the family a lot. Lived in Germany, Hong Kong, Melbourne, Canberra, Gosford, Gold Coast. And then, uh, yeah, moved to the NT maybe 10 years ago, I reckon. Moved here to King Ash Bay. Yep. Where most people would go to maybe Darwin first and then move rural. Yeah, yeah, that's I did it. the rural thing. I, I didn't go to Darwin for five years or something after I moved to the NT. Yeah, yeah, that's so it. Well, your, your parents were living here at the time. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, that's how we found out about the place. So, and then, uh, yeah, came up for a holiday. And then, uh, as most people do, you spent uh, five minutes here, mate. Still in love and wanted to come back and got some work lined up and uh, got into it. So... And here we are now, mate. We're uh, starting a podcast. Yeah, today. so we so, met each other, what, 10 or 12 years ago? Yeah, it'd be yep, around 12 years ago, I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, here at King Ash Bay on your first ever trip here yeah. and uh, playing darts, I think we were, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was darts night for sure. So, um, yeah, so uh, then you went uh, back down to Queensland. You had a business down there. So this is your background is obviously uh, multimedia sort of thing. Yeah, film and TV, even making websites and graphic design and stuff like that. So, yeah, used to make TV commercials, all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. So, that, yeah. And that's obviously now you're, you're making YouTube videos uh, full time. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the dream. Well, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, it's, it's, it's going in the right direction. And look, if I'm still still doing it, at this time next year, it means that it's going really well. It's going all right. So. Yeah, otherwise I'm going to have to go join the real world and go get a real job again. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one, one thing is um, with podcasting, I suppose, is because you, you are YouTubing full-time and you're staying here at King Ash Bay and you're almost driving, drive out, so you're here for a few weeks then in Darwin with your wife and kids for about two weeks at a time. So obviously spending a lot of time on that road backwards and forwards, you, you'll listen to podcasts. I know I, I, I listen to quite a few and, and might have put you on a couple of good ones and, um, you know, Rogan, and, and things like that so um, you know both of us really really like that and uh, like this sort of format and um, you know one of the big things um, you know like Tales for the Tinny podcast which uh, you know it's been a uh, been one of my favourite ones for uh, for quite a while and uh, these guys have been around for 
don't know, maybe 16, 17 years or something like that. And How was it, 800 episodes or something? Something like that, mate. Yeah, I was only reading today. Wow. Of, yeah, yeah, just under 1,000 episodes there. So, um, and yeah, just by coincidence, you know, we've been talking about doing this for, for uh, a few months now and, and uh, trying to get things organised for it. And then we just found out a couple of days ago that uh, they're finishing up. It's their last... Uh, last ever year so um yeah, very right. sad to see them guys go and uh we're certainly not uh, in a you know in a, any way trying to replace what they're what they've done they've done a no. great job over the years and and uh, you know i, I know i've called them in uh, called in yeah, a, few times with, yeah. with a few times with a few times yeah absolutely yeah well, did he like give the local fishing report or something for down this this region or yeah yeah well i was, I was still doing fishing charters back in back in the, at that time so i was just giving a few fishing reports and um yeah, I think it was actually a Valentine's Day one. I'd just taken uh, Katie, uh, the missus, out fishing and uh, got her a big jewy at uh, oh. Crocodile Point uh, that morning and uh, or the morning before and, uh, yeah, called in and uh, had a yarn until that was the first time and I spoke to him several times after that. And, yeah, I know your old man's been on it as well, yeah. talking about a uh, guy catching a metre he married just out for, off the bank yeah, at uh, the Howard area. I was on there once. Yeah. I come around and interviewed me. It was after I did a trip to Shady Camp. Yeah, and yeah. they interviewed you in person too. Yeah, they? No, yeah. you're not, not a vocal. Oh, no, they came out. Um, I can't remember her name. She came out and had this like yeah, special big recorder thing and whatever. I'm doing the whole get them all up, yeah, and all. Get them all up, yeah. All that stuff. But yeah, so with that story, so you, you uh, is it you're you were a charter operator. Yeah, yeah, so um, yep, so finished boarding school in uh, 07 and came back to the territory, and then I spent. Um, about a year or so, um, not actually in Moral or King Ash Bay, but around the Territory, um, working for a company doing um, uh, road maintenance and that sort of thing, straight out of the school, first job. And then, um, yeah, just, just was too far away from the water too often. So came back to, um, to Moralula where my old man was and um, that uh, my parents' business there helped him out for a bit. And then uh, yeah, ended up going to Darwin, doing my Copsons ticket and uh, commissioned the building of a... Uh, uh, my first charter boat, which is Five Block Summit, one of your favourite boats, I think. Oh, man, uh, such a good boat. Uh, I've since sold it, unfortunately, but um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, did fishing charters for uh, about ten years or so, um, both from Boral or going out to Bingbong to Mule Creek, out around the Isles and that sort of thing. And then, um, uh, obviously, I moved out to King Ash Bay about six, seven years ago, and then did charters out of here um, for several years. Um, yeah, until the pandemic. So um, that's uh, that that ended that sort of thing. Uh, uh, for me and uh, had no other means of income uh, other than uh, the lodge uh, which uh, which we bought out here to, to coincide with that fishing charter business was our accommodation business and um, you know with no trade over for a couple of years I ended up uh, getting into the commercial sector and into commercial mud crab fishing uh, which is what I'm still doing now that's my primary source of income now is, is doing that so um, yeah, which is it's been a good thing for for me. Really, I, I really enjoy the, yeah. the commercial side of things. I know you've you've uh, been out with me a few times. Oh, There's man. plenty of videos you've made, miles of videos around oh, well, it. The viewers love it from all over Australia and the world. They love they love seeing the behind the scenes. It's pretty. I'm very lucky that I get sort of unrestricted access to behind mm. the scenes with guys like you and and some of the other boys. Then go to see how you how you operate and uh, and all those. It's people it's, find fascinating. Yeah, well, it's very different to what you would imagine. To I think um, you know, so many people um, you know have this idea about you know um, what it is. But I think yeah, uh, your videos sort certainly uh, shed a light on, on on how we do things and you know things like sustainability and things like that that, that people aren't aware about, aware of and you know things like the breeding cycles and, and and how the mud crabs actually work and where they live and, and things like that. That um, you know you're shedding a light on that and, and uh, you know teaching people at home a, a brand new thing and obviously there's a there's a million youtube videos out there on fishing even barra fishing there's a million youtube videos but um in terms of actual uh, commercial fishing especially commercial mud crab fishing there's no professional 
videos that I've come across anyway that um, that is actually commercial mud crab fishing. Yeah. So, you know, plenty of guys got TikTok pages and things like Instagram and stuff, but uh, in, in terms of an actual commercial production like what you're doing in, in very high quality, um, there's not much there. So, and that's why I think your videos have, you know, have really taken off in that area, yeah. um, especially your episode, um, uh, golf mud crabbers, yeah, um, you know, yeah, and that you know that that's gone into merch now, hats and shirts and everything because <laughs> that's that was extremely uh, extremely popular and and you know people loved it you know seeing uh, seeing what we do and so yeah so so you must have done a few miles on that river between yeah being a charter operator plus your own personal fishing and then now up and down the river every day almost grabbing. Yeah, pretty much yeah so I, i'd hate to think um yeah how many k's i've done in the boat <laughs> i hate to think how much i spent on fuel really on oh. that river but uh but yeah definitely i mean you know it's 40 k's from here to the mouth and that's you know that's just to get to get to the start of work and then you know where we did that golf mud crab crabbers, mud uh, crabbers episode um last year you know we were 100 k's from here so you know we, we took the, the barge up there and uh, yeah. two boats and you know, five of us and three dogs and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> triple life on that was. Yeah. I just went and rewatched that episode. I think I told you yesterday. I went and rewatched it. It just got me inspired. I'm like, wow! Like, how do I replicate this? Yeah, I can't was, make a video that good ever again. There was just so many good good <laughs> points about it, and there's all things you just could not plan. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, the first lot were there. We lost one dog. Before. <laughs> not there five minutes and we lost a dog and actually in fact I don't even think you and I made it there no, it was we were, gone by the time yeah. it was, we went back through the footage and when Mullet was taking us through the creek the, the dog was not in the back of the boat then correct yeah yeah so, so he already lost the dog lost when the dog luckily found it again the, uh, next, the day. next day yeah uh, Mullet Eagle or Mullet uh, saw him up in the bank and, and uh, we managed to rescue him and then from there, I mean, um, you got some, because the water's so clear there, you got some awesome underwater footage, you know, which has racked up a few million views now yeah. on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Uh, it's all to do with the, the commentary behind it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see how the podcast goes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, that, that was another thing. And then, uh, what else? There was something oh, else. The that was, the oh, the helicopter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's really right. nowhere. You can't even explain how far away from civilization we are. We come across around the bend and he's sitting on the beach, the bloody helicopter. Yeah, so uh, yeah, guys from a nearby um, tourism operator uh, bringing some people out there for for the morning to uh, have a bit of a look around and walk on the beach. And uh, we just pulled in and pulled over and said good day and gave them a few crabs for, for dinner. And that ended up being a regular thing for, for a few days. Every time we brought new customers out there, we'd go and drop off a couple of crabs. And then uh, he was actually supposed to bring some steaks back. That's right. And, um, uh, one day he flagged me down. I was actually by myself in the boat. You stayed back to do some uh, some housework on the on the on the on the mothership, and um, he waved me uh, waved me down. So I went and said good day. He said, "Oh look, I forgot them steaks, but uh, grab one of your mates and I'll take you for a look around." So we ended up going for a cruise in the chopper and had a look around that coastline, which is just amazing. It's just you know crystal clear water, and you know seeing all the big sharks and turtles and dugongs and stuff like that. It's just a completely different perspective. Yeah, we were almost uh, in shock afterwards. I reckon we were just looking at each other, shaking our heads, going. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah, like, in the middle of that, well, there's a King Ash Bay is already 700 kilometres from the nearest set of traffic lights, and then we're 100 k's by boat 
up the coast uh, from here. So, you know, we're, we're a million miles from nowhere. So, um, the, you know, to go for a helicopter ride like you would if you're at SeaWorld is, uh, you know, uh, unbelievable. So obviously that was uh, one of the biggest highlights was the helicopter trip. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, and you don't even realise all the other good things that happened previously in that week or 10 days of how long we were there for yeah. and, until you actually came back and actually made that video. And, and now, as you said, you know, you can actually go back and watch those things and relive those things. And, yeah. and you know, people that weren't there can live vicariously through those videos and, and, and really get to enjoy it as well. And I suppose that's what we're trying to um, achieve here by doing this podcast is, yeah. is by, you know, obviously Mikey makes his videos, which are, which are bloody awesome. But, you know, what we want to do is, is tell some stories and bring some other people in to tell some stories as yeah. well. That So that people... Going into more details, I feel like uh, videos is very sort of fast paced like I try and keep it fast paced yeah but this I feel like we're going to slow down and, and go through some more details and yeah people love hearing information about this area you know especially first timers coming to here yeah. coming anywhere to the Gulf anywhere in the Northern Territory even like it's like a trip of a lifetime for a lot of people they're trying to plan yeah absolutely man i know you like having the the lodge here you know especially guys that have been here for the first time you know you you know sometimes you can't get away from you know or you, you would know yourself yeah. from you know we're sitting down at the bar there and having a beer and you get talking to a couple of guys that haven't been here before and all of a sudden it's you know it's closing time <laughs> it's it stumps down there and we're at home time because you've been there talking all night about all different things so um i suppose you know that's the idea of what we're doing here is is to try and get this out to a broader audience um, people that might be uh, looking at uh, not necessarily coming here but any anywhere that's sort of remote in, in this sort of northern part of Australia yes and um, and that's why, again why we call the guys in the Gulf so it's not you know strictly just about King Ash Bays or, or, or you know fishing or, it's not or, just fishing. fishing or crabbing yeah so you know any, you know any interesting stories and obviously being at King Ash Bay um, you know, we don't just get fishermen through. We get all sorts of people, you know, families coming through, you know, people like, uh, uh, you know, that are, you know, doing their, their trip, especially, um, you know, post-pandemic now. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, bought a caravan, bought a Toyota or, you know, four-wheel drive, and they're, they're doing, uh, you know, these trips around Australia and, and so we get all sorts of interesting people from all walks of life here and uh, with some great stories. And uh, I think this is a great way that we can actually you know, say some of those stories and, and get yeah. them out there to other people and try and inspire some people to, you know, don't just think about working all the time. Don't just think about, you know, the nine to five. Think about, what you know, the other things you can do and, and hopefully we can give people some inspiration to get out there and, and enjoy yeah. themselves. I was thought of a couple of cool stories there. So when you were saying about, they're not just fishermen coming here, got, got me sort of ticking a lot. We get variety bashes coming through. Yep. Um, we get bird watches, all sorts of stuff like that. But what um, what I thought of, remember that time there were those, uh, we were going for a drive down to a land-based fishing spot way down um, uh, to the west, east, sorry. Uh, and we come across yeah. those two people on the flash drive. Yeah. Through the middle of nowhere, yeah. like, uh, probably 70 kilometres from Borrelaw. Yeah, on, on some of the worst dirt road in Australia. They're, and they're on the push bikes. Yeah, and the, the corrugations are that big, there's kangaroos hind them and shade on. Yeah, and we like, pulled up and I just yelled, you guys want a beer? And they're like, yeah, it's plenty. <laughs> so we pulled up and had a couple of beers with them and just had a yarn. And then, then off we went, oh, Bullfrog gave him a rock. Yeah. <laughs> Froggy, our good mate Froggy, you'll, no doubt you'll meet him in future episodes in Absolute yes, Champion. He'll be a guest. He likes rocks. He, he loves rocks. He, he really loves rocks. And if it's your birthday, look out, you're going to get one. So, uh, so that was Hook. <laughs> there was another fellow that year, remember he was 
walking from somewhere to somewhere. He had like a trolley or something he pushed along. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. He I was raising that. money for... Uh, Ferris Gump, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That was another one. There's all sorts of people that are here, not for fishing, mm. you know. Yeah, well, we haven't had him actually here yet, but the travelling jackaroo, he, he comes past uh, up the road to Daily Waters. He's been there several times yeah. and, you know, raising money for RFDS and all sorts of people like that. So, you know, uh, also not just driving and, and things, but, we've, you know, guys flying through, you know, they might be doing a trip uh, around around the country in an aer- aeroplane or helicopter. Yeah. In actual fact, we've quite a few times now we've had groups of helicopters come through doing trips from, uh, like, Sydney to Darwin or the Gold Coast to Darwin. Yeah, and they've done it multiple times. We've started to get to know them over the years. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we, one of the guys pulled in uh, last year yeah. and uh, and said, g'day, he met you here at the bar and I was down working down yeah. the river, so he came and landed on the bank of the river and said g'day <laughs> and got a feed of mud crab and kept going. So there's all sorts of people that come here and, and uh, we're from all different walks of life. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we want to try and record some of their stories so that... Uh, they can be shared amongst everyone and, yeah, uh, give some people some inspiration to, to get out there and get amongst it. Yeah, well, sounds like a good plan. Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> it, mate. So, um, you know, uh, at the moment, so we're just about, uh, what are we now, November 20th. So uh, things are just starting to wind down now. So we're not getting as many people through. It's sort of the end of our sort of tourist season. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, colloquially known as the swing season between the wet, you know, so we're between the uh, dry season and the wet season now. So apart from the keen sort of barrow fishermen and that sort of thing, there's not a lot of tourist sort of traffic. Um, you know, uh, you know, commercial crabbing slowing down. Some of the guys have already stopped for the year. Um, you know, I've only got probably a couple of weeks left. Yeah. You know, everything's sort of slowing down now as we get into the wet season. Um, uh, you know, a few storms starting to build up and that sort of thing. The season this year was really good. Um, yeah, uh, one of the better ones. Like I've only been commercially crabbing for three years, so it's only my third season. But um, uh, from what I've seen, it's gone from strength to strength. Even, yeah, well. even though there's a fair bit of effort in this area, just uh, with good wet seasons for the last few years, the crowd has just been unreal. So it's been a, it's been a really good season for everyone, and even like wreck guys as well. I mean, yeah. I know you've been out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just get some rust, rusty old pots you find in the back of the shed. And chuck them out there, and you're going to get crabs. You're going to you're going to catch mud crabs out there. Like yeah. it's it's been a, a sensational year. No one has complained about the crabbing this year. Yeah, absolutely not. So no. do you find so you say with a good wet season, so you find that the the crabbing is better if there's a, a good wet season. Absolutely. So if you look at the the data, it actually shows quite clearly, and it's the same for like Barramundi as well. So. Um, when you have a um, a big a, a good wet season, and when I say good wet season, doesn't necessarily mean that everything gets flooded all the time, but good consistent rain over a period of time without too much flooding, because one of the things, especially for mud crab, is is if you get massive floods uh, and massive river flows, what can happen, particularly here, and that may be the same in other rivers, I'm not sure, but certainly here, is um, sand and silt gets washed into the river, and then that covers some of the mud flats and things out, out the front. So, um, yeah, so basically it turns the mud flats into sand, so the crabs don't want to stay there as much because their food source isn't isn't living in the sand like it would be if it's mud. So, so yeah, okay. Um, so even though you want a good wet season, you don't want it to be 
a, a raging... Yeah, so we don't want the big cyclone to come through, a big low-pressure system coming in and sitting over us for several days and, and absolutely flooding it. Yeah. We, want, we want good, consistent rain yeah. um, for a long period of time. So um, so all that nutrients and everything like that gets a chance to build up. All the you know microorganisms, everything in the fresh water builds up, gets, gets into the river, feeds all the fish and everything like that, and then it goes down and uh, into the coast. And that's that why you get... Yeah, absolutely. And that's why this area particularly, or this area particular in particular, but the Gulf of... The whole of the Gulf Carpenter is quite good for mud crab fishing is because we don't often get the really big runoffs like you have like over in the west like over you know places like Daly River and things like that oh yeah they, uh, they've got millions of acres of floodplains and, yeah. and stuff like that we don't really have that here do we uh, no not not certainly not around King Ash Bay area there are some if you go up towards the rope there's some floodplains up there and, and and to the east there are some floodplains but but not compared to what they are up around the Darwin sort of area around Daly River area and things like that the Adelaide and Daly the Moyles and and those sorts of places um, you know they had massive floodplains and although there's good crab in there as well it's 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 quite different to here so um so that that's yeah we want good consistent rain and, and that's what we had for the last few years so that's and, and it's just gotten better and better and better so now all those crabs are obviously breeding breeding up yeah. and um you know the, the catch is going up every year at the moment with the good wet seasons yeah something you said to me the other day that put put the when you mentioned the breeding something that is sort of mind-blowing is about the eggs that they have like each female can have millions of eggs so yeah. obviously there's a huge mortality rate but <laughs> technically like in a perfect world one crab could repopulate the entire area if all yeah. of them survive which yeah, they might absolutely but yeah like, it's just crazy to think yeah so that the amount of the amount of eggs and the amount of new crabs that are potentially coming into the area every year absolutely yeah. and and so what happens is and and it's Plenty of people will debate it, but the science is, is fairly clear on it. There's there's um, some peer-reviewed studies that have been done down in New South Wales uh, and in other places as well. But um, so in females, they can hold um, you know between sort of three and five million eggs per season. Yeah. And what they do is they go out into um, they don't stay in the, although they're called mud crabs, they don't just stay in the mud in the rivers yeah. or just on the coastal flats. They do actually go out into the ocean. And um, what happens is when they release those eggs, you know, between three and five million, as you said, high mortality rate, but those eggs get dispersed, you know, all everywhere, all along the yeah, coastline. So and, yeah. with all sorts of currents. So, uh, and again, this is why the Gulf is such a good place for, for mud crabs is because they're almost contained a little bit you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's not like if you're you know if you're in, in Brisbane or something like that, and the current's going from the south up to the north, and the, the you know their eggs, eggs are laid there, but then the, they all get you know taken with the current north or whatever. They're here, it's uh, they're sort of contained a little bit more. So um, and then obviously from from eggs when they get to the larvae stage and into an actual crab. Um, you know, our belief is certainly the, 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 and some of these guys have 30, 40 years of experience, uh, more than me, but um, what most of them believe is that um, when we have good wet seasons and, and, and the right sort of river flows, the crabs know, they just know where, where, where to go. So they'll come into the areas that have had a good wet season and, yeah. and, and, and build up the population there. So, yeah. so when you say 30 years, these are the, the mud, professional mud crabbers here. Some of the other guys here have been doing it for over 30 years. Yeah. So, we've, so we've had, yeah, so commercial mud crabbing in this river, in this area for, for 30 years. Like, yeah. how has that not had an impact on the population? Like some other places you hear of, like down east coast maybe they've got all sorts of restrictions and people go out and put their pots in i get message i comments on my videos saying that they've put their crab pots in for three days and can't get a crab like how why how do we 
have so many here well yeah as i sort of mentioned already it's um it's just the the area that it is and and because they breed so much that um that they're able to stay here so and what happens is so people may be concerned about fishing an area uh, fishing overfishing in a particular area now certainly if if all the commercial operators that there's nine of us i think here that that were just out of the king ash bay area uh, no, I think there's nine of us here. If we all worked in one small creek, obviously we'd, we'd fish that creek out very quickly. Yeah. But um, because we disperse over a fairly wide area, well, what happens is the crabs don't just live there all the time. The crabs can keep coming in, in waves throughout the season. So about um, March or so, we start work at the end of February, early March, after the wet season, and you start getting the males coming in, okay? The young males, the new males, they're all nice and clean, um, but a lot of them are empty early in the year, so they're, uh, people refer to them as water bags. Um, technically, we refer to them as CUC, so commercially unviable crabs. Um, but we, you know, four and five might be like that for a little while. But after you know four or five weeks, they'll feed up, feed up, and then they'll slowly become C grade, B grade, A grade, and then obviously we want want to take the premium ones, so the yeah. A grade crabs. So if you're only taking one in five, you know, from and we're working mostly out the flats that time here because we don't want to be anywhere near the fresh water uh, in the rivers. So we're working mostly outside. If we're only taking one in five or two in five early in the year. All those other ones that we're letting go, they, they can continue marching. They go into the creeks and rivers and, and whatever. And, and we just keep collecting them as they go through. So almost like a filter as yeah, they go through. We just filter okay. out the good crabs and all the, all the CEC crabs can continue on uh, yeah. where, where they're going. And so that, that's why we can stay in one particular area for forever, you know, um, you know, within reason, um, because they don't, they don't just live there and that's you take the population out, they don't come back. It's not like that. It's, it's not like um, culling animals on the, you know, you know, the savannah. It's, uh, it's completely different. And, and obviously they are like, you know, the cockroaches or the ants of the ocean, you know, there's just so many yeah. of them. Um, and, it, and it is 100% dependent on the seasons that you have. Yeah. So. yeah, so if we did have a poor wet season and there's not many crabs around next year, it's not because they've been over. We haven't overfished them. It's just absolutely not. No, yeah. it's it's poor wet seasons, especially um, consecutive poor wet yeah, seasons. Yeah, I remember a few years back that we did have a few. Oh, quite a few years back now, but yeah, we had consecutive bad wet seasons, and the fishing was not good. Yeah, and and the crabbing, yeah, was not good. Yeah, guys so even pulled their boats out. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the commercial guys, I think it was about 2016, um, and you can actually go back and look at the data, and yeah. it'll show quite clearly. Um, we had poor wet seasons. So in 2016, a lot of the guys went and worked elsewhere. They're not, not crabbing, they just went and got other jobs uh, because there just wasn't, there wasn't enough crabs for everyone to go, you know, to go around. So uh, we were, I was just talking to one of the other guys about it this morning, you know, they're, they're, uh, their catch was, was absolutely nothing compared to what it has been the last few years. So, yeah. you know, it was only sustainable for a few guys to work here that time. Um, but, you know, years ago, um, uh, 30 odd years ago, uh, my old man used to be in uh, water police. And, you know, he, he recalls uh, times coming actually down the MacArthur River in a small tinny with his, uh, with his uh, uh, offsider. And he recalls seeing, you know, just well, the way he puts it is you could just about walk across the crab pot floats. Yeah. Because right. there, were, there were dozens and dozens of commercial mud crab fishermen here. I've there. heard him tell a story coming back at night, and you could just see the lights from the camps all the way up, up the river, he reckons. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of overfishing, I don't think we're in, we're in doubt about it. It's no. it's one hundred percent comes down to uh, wet seasons, and so uh, we'll segue into um, like this wet season. So it's it's predicted that it's going to be a um, 
uh, uh, El Nino um, uh, sort of season again, or yeah. the way we're in, in an El Nino suite. Yeah. Although, actually, as we sit at the moment, they're actually saying, well, it's t- the El Nino's taking a break and we're in its La Nina cycle again. So, and we're actually, um, you know, getting a little bit of rain around the place. We haven't had a lot of rain here at King Ash Bay yet, um, only a few showers, but certainly there's been a lot of rain around, which is which is quite promising. We're looking forward to hopefully um, getting a, a decent wet season. So, and we're completely different to other places. So we're sort of almost in line, um, uh, uh, similar latitude to say Cairns, for example. Yes. Um, but obviously they'll get a lot more range from us because they've got the, the big Coranda range, the Randy range, Coranda range right behind them. So they get a lot more rainfall than us. And then Darwin is slightly further north to us, um, and then they get the monsoon a lot more than what we do. So yeah, it's um, more tropical up there. Yeah, so we're we're sort of savannah or subtropical almost. Um, yeah, so we don't rely solely on um, um, the monsoon coming down. We we rely almost sorry we we don't rely on the monsoon coming down like you would in Darwin. We we almost solely rely on the low pressure systems coming out of the monsoon and heading south and then bringing the rain, dragging the rain from the monsoon yeah, down, down and we might get three or four days of rain from a low that's yeah. nearby us, yeah. And, and that's what we get. So even if it's predicted to be a poor wet season uh, on average for places like Darwin or Cairns, that rely on Bore Nullum Boy, um, we can still get a decent wet season for us because our average rainfall is quite substantially lower than those, and we only require a few low low pressure systems yeah. to come down throughout that you know December through March sort of period to for us to get a good season. So we spoke a lot about crabbing before. The but let's move on to fishing and actually let's talk specifics. Like um, you actually wrote some notes here. We talked about um, favourite fishing location. Do you have a favourite fishing location, whether it's here or, or abroad? Well, yeah, I think um, my favourite fishing location, it's it's hard to put it on as a, as, a, as just one because there's so many great spots and, and I love it here, absolutely love it here. But I think um, solely for the fact that it's, um, you know, where I grew up, I uh, love the, the Moyle Rivers, you know, the, the little Moyle and big Moyle, uh, you know, and growing up out there, um, you know, that was a... You know, and that's again talking about those floodplains. Yeah. You know, that's a place where you do get the big monsoons come through, and then massive big floodplains. And so you're going up a you know relatively small river compared to the Macarthur. You go up something like the Moyle River. Um, you know, is relatively small compared to here. And when you get to the top of it, that's you know it's only a couple of meters wide, and you're just onto millions of acres of floodplain, and the, and the barras just stack up there. You know, in, in their tens of thousands, if not millions, and uh, they're all trying to get up in that floodplain. So you can sit there in a boat, and you can you can catch literally hunt at the right time, literally hundreds and hundreds of bar in a day. And you know, um, when I first met my partner Katie, um, you know, I took her over there for one Easter weekend, and um, she got her very first bar there. And so I think that's in terms of my favourite location. I think that'd be pretty close to it because it just just because of the uniqueness of it, and and you know, it's where I caught my first bar. And, and you know, fishing with my old man as a kid, and we've got a lot of fond memories of that. So it's probably not as easy access as it is here as well. So it's probably the sort of thing mo- most people don't get to do. No, absolutely not. I mean, to get in there now, I'm not even sure. Um, you know, it's certainly you'd need permits and that sort of thing. So yeah. unless you're going with a commercial operator out of Darwin or something like that, that's got um, land access. You know, um, that brings a mothership down from Darwin to there. It's uh, or, or other than that, you, you may live at somewhere like Port Keats or also known as Water. The proper name for it is Water. Uh, if you live there, you might be able to get permission from the um, TOs yeah. there to get access that 
traditional owners um, to get access in there, um, which is what we used to do when we were kids. And, uh, you know, that's, and again, that's why I love it, because living, living in the community there, um, you know, we were known, you know, there, there was not many uh, uh, European uh, kids there, uh, my brother and myself and a few others. And, uh, you know, growing up there, we were known by all the community. And you'd go out there to go fishing and come back and you'd always bring a few barrows back <laughs> and uh, and give it to the traditional owners and stuff. And that was, you know, I, I really enjoy that a- aspect of it. You know, we used to do a lot of hunting and stuff out there as well when we were kids um, with my old man and uh, some of his colleagues and friends, you know, go out and, and chase a few pigs and, and bring a couple of pigs back and uh, or magpie geese and and uh, you know I'll sometimes go out with tos you know and uh, do some hunting and, and fishing and that side so that's why it's my my favourite place mate what do you, what do you guys your favourite place I know uh, most of your fishing has been up here your adult life's been up here yeah I did a little bit of fishing as a kid um, but yeah pretty much as an adult all of my fishing has been in the Northern Territory um, and almost all of it has been here right the Macarthur River area and. Like I've, I've fished around Darwin, Shady, uh, Adelaide River, uh, Daly, yeah. But honestly, no, I, nothing beats down here. I, I leave my boat down here now. Yeah. I don't even take my boat back up, back up to Darwin anymore. It's just, it's just so simple here, especially with yeah. the tides. Like up in Darwin, you got your eight metre tides and stuff like that. I mean, if you're born and bred there, maybe you'd, you'd just be, that's just, that'd be the normal. Mm. But because I came here first and fished here, I got to know this area, going up there, just messed with my head. I, yeah, I didn't didn't enjoy fishing up there at all. So yeah, fishing around here. So it all comes down to um, probably outside on some good weather. I'd, I'd be outside around that, those islands, the Peeler Islands. And, and it's such a good country out there, isn't it? I mean, I know it's referred to quite often as the um, the Whit Sundays of the Gulf out there. And, yeah. and, and on a good day, it truly is crystal clear waters, nice coral reefs, uh, you know, it's, the abundance of fish. special. It really is. Yeah. It's special out there. Absolutely. And if, yeah, if you want to check any of this stuff out too, you know, you've got plenty of YouTube videos yeah. there. From, oh, heaps of videos. Yeah, uh, to go look up uh, Mikey Cunningham there. You see out there uh, um, Brett from Waiubi Fishing and Wilderness Lodge on North Island. He uploaded a photo last night. A big um, Mr. Squiggle. Yeah, Mr. Squiggle. Yeah, a big marlin. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, was talking, I think it was. I was yeah. yeah, Black. Yeah, so I was, I was talking to uh, Brett last night at the bar, actually. And he, he whipped his phone out and said, have a look at this aft. Some of my boys uh, that have been out to the lodge at uh, Wavy there. Yeah, uh, the last pr- customers of the year it was. Yeah, too. yeah. They, uh, yeah, we produced his phone and uh, showed his photo. And it was a yeah, massive big black marlin. I mean, I've seen a, a couple, um, but. Um, but yeah, that was uh, definitely the biggest one that I've seen. Uh, yeah. yeah, so they're not, it's not uncommon. Oh, no, it is uncommon. But every year you hear of one being caught, or yeah. at least hooked up to. I, I but, think in, in terms of, um, I think they're definitely there. Yeah. Um, so, but I think you've got to be targeting them. Yeah, uh, or, yeah or, these guys or, caught on light gear. They were, they were trying to catch mackerel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and, I, and I've heard plenty of stories of that, of people hooking up to mull on, um, on mackerel gear and things. Yeah. I, I don't know of too many people that have actually been out there and spent a bit of time actually targeting them. Other than targeting mull and actually, billfish. Actually yeah. targeting billfish. Other than, although we've got a couple of guys here, um, you know, Steve and Jen, and, and they, got, they got a couple actually this L- year. Last year or this year? I yeah, there's a, yeah, there was, there's, a, there's a photo of, of one of them holding it in the water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and I think that, and they went out there, they do a lot of fishing, obviously, yeah. but they, they actually targeted it. And, yeah. yeah, and small boats too. I mean, we're not talking, uh, you know, not talking black watches or, or Rivieras. We're or not it. talking offshore either. Like, no, we're just around the old. Well, this one was caught like right in North Rock, the one yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, 
I'm, I don't know, fishing chart out in North Rock there, just off the top of North Island. I've seen yeah. one actually came up and was hanging off the back of the, uh, the dual engines with a stainless steel propeller spinning it yeah. in the current. One actually came up just because of that, that flash yeah, of the stainless wow. steel prop. One came up and, and buzzed the uh, the props a couple of times, was coming for a look. So so they're definitely around there, but in terms of catching them, I haven't heard of a lot of people catching them. But again, that's probably because not a lot of people target them. And if you, if you really wanted to, I think you put the time and effort in. Yeah, if you're a keen marlin fisherman, I think there's uh, there's definitely some untouched waters here in terms for sure. of yeah, really getting well, into. We're two seconds away from what grew grew off. Yeah, they have billfish competitions there. Absolutely. So Brett was saying they come down towards this way to the marlin grounds. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. It's from from group. So I've never been involved in that, but I know yeah. Brett's been to um, a group times, um, yeah. a couple of times and and gone by boat. So it's yeah. not that far. It's only a couple of k's. Yeah. Um, from the top of the islands here across to uh, the bottom of Groot. So I don't know if have done anything it's that far. It's only a little hundred something k's maybe. Yeah. It's not far at all anyway, really in the, in the scheme of things. Yeah. And, and they get miles and miles of uh, sailfish and marlin stuff there. So so they're definitely here. Absolutely. What's your favourite fishing moment? My favourite fishing moment? Well, <laughs> although I've lived in the territory my whole life and I've done a lot of fishing, including uh, guiding, um, although I, I didn't really do any barrow guiding. It was mostly around the islands. Um, but uh, one of my uh, uh, favourite fishing moments uh, is um, when I caught uh, my first metering, yeah. which uh, you were there for, Bullfrog was there. And um, the, not just because it was my first metering, but I was there with some really good mates. And uh, so yourself, Bullfrog, and, uh, you know, and, and our other mate, Tremaine, and uh, you know, it was light gear, land-based. 10 pounder, wasn't it? Yeah, 10 pound gear, 10 pound gear, and uh, small lure. Oh, actually, I've got the lure. Um, there, my <laughs> missus actually uh, put it in a little frame, and with the photo, we holding the bar, and uh, and a little story there. You know, Ash with his mates, uh, Mikey Bullfrog and Tremaine, first metery, uh, 107, and um, and the location. So, yeah, that was. Uh, one of my favourite fishing moments. And, and one of the funniest things was when we actually landed a 10 pound gear, I was pretty excited. You, you were through the bush a little bit fishing, didn't even believe me that I had a big fish on. I was yelling and carrying on over on the other side of the bushes. And I thought, hey, whatever, you know, and I came back and then I saw this thing jump. But I'm like, oh, we're serious. Tremaine's in the water down up to, up to about here in the water with the landing net trying to go like this. Yeah. So, and he did, he got, he, he got amongst it for me. He got right in there because uh, a bit of a steep bank there yeah. so he had to you know he sort of fell into the water yeah. almost with the landing net got into the landing net i'll grab the landing net and, and run off and shine her back with it carry it on poor old tremaine he goes get me out of here so so he, he landed the fish i landed tremaine mm. <laughs> and then, there we go and that then you didn't fish for the rest of the day the rest of it we still caught a few fish after we even we even cooked one up we caught one yep. and, and cooked it up on the um on the burner there yeah but yeah the, yeah. That was a, a hell of a fish. Oh, yeah. We yeah, just sat there drinking beer for the rest of the day. Yeah, and as I was entitled to do. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Released as well. We were beautiful release. Yeah, release released well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll chuck a photo in there so you, yeah. can, so you can see it, mate. That was, uh, you'll, you'll see how uh, happy I was, mate. The smile here to here, mate. And, uh, so what do you reckon your uh, favourite fishing moment was or favourite moment, mate? It's out in the water. Out at the islands again, you were there, and, and Tremaine was there too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's plenty of stories there, but I think... I don't know. Well, we actually went out, a bit, of a bit of a rewind, we went out with Jeremy Wade from uh, River Monsters on, on Anaheim yep. Planet. Yep. Ash got a, a, a big contract to go out. They wanted to catch a huge groper. So, um, yeah, so Ash had the charter business at the time. 
um, I drove the second boat for you, the little camera boat. Yeah. And out we went there, and um, yeah, we did however many days of fishing. And then, yeah, on the, the second lap, or the last day. It was the last day, yeah, yeah. the very last day. You're a better storyteller. You're a better storyteller. You, you tell it. You know the story. Well, <laughs> I know it's my favourite moment, but. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so we're at the Isles. We, we got this contract uh, to do uh, a job for Animal Planet with um, uh, uh, River Monsters with Jeremy Wade was the name of the program. And I think it was the number one show on Animal Planet yeah, at the, the time. time. It was quite a, quite a popular program. And um, the, the episode's called uh, Death Down Under. And so it was basically they were travelling uh, across Northern Australia. They're doing tiger sharks, box jellyfish, crocodiles. And then one of the things they wanted to do was uh, catch a, um, a giant Queensland grover as part of their storyline. Which so, we are allowed to do here in the North Which, which we, are, we, are allowed to, we are allowed to catch. And you're not allowed to keep them over 1.2 metres. Not that you keep them anyway because they're a beautiful fish. But, um, yeah, so um, you, you, are allowed to, you are allowed to target them and catch them. So, um, so we took that contract on. Uh, we had two uh, boats going. We had several guys there, so um, including Jeremy. Uh, we had a producer, yeah. a sound guy, two cameramen, a tech guy, yeah. um, you, myself, uh, Katie came out um, and did all the cooking yeah. and catering for everyone. And basically the plan was to spend the week out there at Wavy Lodge at North Island, which is Brett's place, we just talked about. Where that Marlin's caught. And it's yeah. exactly where that Marlin was, was caught uh, the other week or last week. And um, so, yeah, the, the plan was to go out there uh, to North Rock, try and catch a, uh, a giant grape up. So we'd been there for several days already and we'd hooked on to plenty of them, plenty, and, uh, and seen a couple, but we hadn't quite got one all the way to the boat. And uh, uh, our last morning we're heading out and it was a bit rougher than the previous few days. Uh, the wind had picked up a little bit. It was in November, like the end of the year. Yeah, was uh, it was hot as barry. It was, you know, in the mid forties, nearly hundred percent humidity. Um, hadn't seen any clouds really. It was just no rain in sight. Um, you know, we were coming back for lunch to the lodge there and laying on the uh, on the on the rocks under the oh. big mahogany tables. Yeah, these big thick tables. Yeah, the bed that was like almost insulated. Yeah, I think some of the other boys were laughing at us, but we, yeah, we would literally. I fell asleep a few times under there. I reckon it was uh, it was a very very and this this all leads into this story too because it was atrocious conditions. I really felt sorry for them guys because they just come from northern winter, so you know they just come from uh, from Europe and uh, you know being below zero to straight to here so yeah. you know mid 40s and uh, you know extremely high humidity what's the the tablets you put in water yeah. they, they were taking them like yeah. tic tacs yeah. yeah absolutely so um so yeah, this, this the last day where everyone's buggered, everyone's absolutely exhausted. We hadn't got the shot that they really wanted. Um, we we had actually just spoken about maybe extending for a couple of days and, and trying to go, which nobody, including myself, even though I was getting paid for it, didn't really want to extend because everyone was just at, at the end of it pretty much, uh, being that time of year. But yeah, the last morning, um, we uh, we departed the lodge and headed towards North Rock as we had done the previous several days. And uh, on the way across there, it was, it was a little bit rough. And uh, me being in the bigger boat um, was going a fair bit quicker than you in the in the second boat yeah. with uh, the camera too. Yeah. So, um, and he's holding a forty thousand dollar camera or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. So uh, yeah, so it was uh, Mike is going a fair bit slower than I was. So um, camera one, um, the cameraman number one asked me um, if we could just go around the corner a little bit and try and get out of the rough weather while we waited for these guys to catch up. Um, so that he could get some shots of the escarpment and get a reveal shot of North Rock where we were. So we went around the first little headland into a little bay, 
and um, it was still a little bit rough. Um, so he said, oh, look, can you go around, you know, try and get a bit calmer water again? So I said, yeah, no worries. If we go around into the next bay, then um, that'll be pretty sheltered in there. You should be able to do everything. We can, we can reassess. And um, I think I might have radioed you and said, we're just going to be in here when you get around. And um, so we pulled into this, uh, almost into this next bay. And I think it was Jeremy who was, had binoculars and he was sort of looking around and he just, you know, turned around and looked at me and said, hey, there's a guy up on the beach there naked. Turn around and go, go, go. There's, there's people skinning anything. And I'm like, oh, Russ, there's, there's, there's no one out here skinning down at all. I can tell you that right now, mate. This is a, this is a wild country. There's, there's like, there's just no one here. That time of year is late in November. There was just no one here that time of year. So, um, you know, there was no chance of anyone being there skinny dipping. And uh, uh, so I'm intrigued of, um, you know, I said, what are you looking at, mate? What are you looking at? And then, he's, and then I did sort of make out somebody sort of on the beach. And I thought, oh, yeah, somebody's, you know, had drama here for sure. Because I couldn't see any boats or anything. Yeah, the boat must have sunk or something. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Somebody's boat sunk. And then uh, when Jeremy gave me uh, the binoculars so that I could look through, I was looking at him going, oh, that's my mate Tremaine. And then it just sunk in. I recalled that um, before we'd gone out for that trip. He said, oh, because he was living with, with me at the time and, and helping us build our house here, um, he did say to me, um, look, I may get out there in my boat and go and camp at Paradise Bay, which is the national park there, um, before I head down south. Um, but uh, if I do, I'll catch up with you. If not, though, I'll be heading back down south for Christmas. So um, if I see you, I'll see you. If not, I'll uh, catch you next year. So, um, yep, no worries, mate, all good. And as soon as I saw him through the binoculars, I thought, oh, no, he's... he's come out here and he's then his boat sunk or something and whatever so um so i've quickly radioed mikey and said mikey hurry up and get around this corner it's because it was too shallow and rocky for me to get all the way into the bank with the big boat uh, with the big boat so um so mikey's come around and um we've swapped boats i've jumped into the smaller boat and driven into the bay much closer and uh Trane's walked out with a fishing rod a bucket he's by this stage he's put his footy shorts back on <laughs> and he's walked out and just jumped off the rocks and started swimming out and dog paddling out and uh passed his stuff into the boat and uh tried to talk to me and his voice was just dry as anything and uh he's just saying water water and i'm like well you're right mate like get in the boat first get in the boat and he's like, water water and the only thing we had was ice cold water from from the esky and i knew um you know he'd been there for a while and i said well mate i can give you some water just don't scull it just 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 sip it just sip it um otherwise you'll, you'll be you'll make yourself really sick mate and so um handed him a bottle of water which he he trying to scull straight away and, and was immediately sick so i took it off him and said right i just calm down for a minute mate like you know what's happened and then um yeah he told us his story of um you know, he'd gone out and gone to Paradise Bay and gone for a walk that afternoon. And um, he'd, he'd got there, just threw his anchor out uh, right up against the beach and uh, thought, oh, well, I'll just walk across to the next bay, which he's done plenty of times before, and I've done it with him before. There's like a walking track there. There's, there's a little track there, yeah, that goes from, from Paradise Bay across into the next bay. And, uh, and, and so he's walked across there and, um, uh, you know, it's, he's made it to the to his spot and uh, he's done a bit of fishing or whatever it's starting to get a little bit dark so he thought oh well i'll start heading back he started heading back and lost the track and then it got dark so he thought well number one rule is don't just keep walking if you don't know so he just waited till the morning sun came up got his bearings and started walking again thinking he's going in the right direction unfortunately when he made it back to the coast he was nowhere near where he thought he was supposed to be and didn't and again lost where he was and he continued that for for three days with no water uh, only a singlet pair of footy shorts a bucket 
one beer that he took with him, uh, which obviously he drank fairly early on. And when we found him, he was in a very, very bad way. So, um, yeah, so, but, yeah, that's a... Yeah, if, if we didn't find him that that morning, like, he wouldn't have made it another day. Uh, he was in a very, very bad way. And, you know, um, yeah, it's uh, was a very, very, uh, yeah, real tough time for us because a really good mate to them, obviously, and that... We were just in so much shock. We are already in shock from doing this job with this, yeah. you know, massive professional uh, film crew that were there from, from overseas and, you know, had all this other stuff on our mind. And it all sort of just happened so quick yeah. that, you know, what, you know, after after a little while there and, and give, getting some water into him and the, the medic guy there gave you some hydrolytes and things and, and went over him and, you know, he, he said, oh, look, just, just take me back to my boat around to Paradise yeah. Bay. And yes. I said, oh, look, we could do that if you promised me to come around to the lodge and stay there tonight yeah. with us. We're heading back in tomorrow, potentially. Yeah. And, and we'll go back in together as, as a group. So, so, um, um, so that's what we did. You took him back around to Paradise Bay yeah. and dropped him off at his boat, and then, um, yeah, and then went out to uh, Mahat North Rock to, um, yeah, get amongst it again and try and try and see what we can come up with. And then, <laughs> the very last hour of the trip. Yeah, well, that's, that's we actually got him onto the fish. That, that's it, but that's uh, this big grover. We've just saved our mate's life. <laughs> like that was uh, <laughs> it, it, it was one of those things that it's people still people don't believe any of it really people, people think we staged it yeah and it's like well it was uh 100 percent uh the like the, i can't explain the feeling it was one of the best feelings i've ever had in my life was you know we just rescued our best mate and, and this is only a couple of hours after, after rescuing him or an hour and a half after rescuing him things have started to sink in about you know well if we hadn't have been here you know, if, if yeah. all these things didn't line up. Yeah, if it wasn't slightly rough, you wouldn't have gone around that next corner because yeah. I was slow. Yeah. So you wouldn't have gone around that corner, which means you never never would have seen him there. Like, we, yeah, it would have been two weeks later we would have heard. Well, remember when we came back to back here, we would have seen his Toyota and his trailer yeah. there and thought, well, what's, Where is he? what's yeah. happened, you know? So, um, you know, it could have been a vastly different story. And I'm just, you know, I'm so thankful that... Um, that, that we found him and then yeah an hour, hour and a half after that then we hook onto this groper the biggest one that we'd hooked onto ever yeah. um, for that trip and um, and managed to get it all the way to the boat and um, you know uh, get it across uh, onto some uh, shallow rocks there so that Jeremy could get in there and get all the shots they wanted they got all their shots with this massive fish and, and you can look it up on YouTube uh, Death Down Under yes. um, there's plenty of shorts of it on TikTok all sorts of things like it was a monster groper it was a dying moment to the trip it's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, like a fairy tale um, coming yeah. true, and the the, the absolute the, like everyone was absolutely buggered. Yeah, at that stage, everyone was absolutely buggered. We went back to the camp, uh, saw the guys that, that the Katie and the, and the tech guys that were back there doing work, and said, "Yep, yeah, we we've got it." And we found our mate Tremaine. It was nearly bloody, you know, nearly finished out of this bloody uh, beach. So. You know, it was just the, the, the absolute best feeling ever. I mean, then then guys straight away got me to call up a helicopter, get a helicopter out there so they can do some aerial shots. Yeah, and and right. uh, we got Leo, I think it was. From, from, from Heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Leo, I think it was. Uh, and you listen to Leo, Lang, so good job. <laughs> um, yeah, so I uh, got Leo out there in the chopper and, um, and uh, yeah, got the camera up there and, and got all these epic shots from the helicopter. And, and you know, this whole week long trip, boiled down into about seven minutes of, yeah. of the actual episode yeah. which which blew my mind because 
Yeah, you know, the mid, ma- mid budget, maxi, so. maxi budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't much of what I could tell you. If I ever do it again, Jeremy, I'm going to charge you some more money next time. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but that was absolutely uh, one of my favourite uh, favorite, uh, uh, things of all. So people can just come here and have experiences like this. You just have to get out there. So absolutely, let's talk about advice for people coming here to this region, maybe first-timers. First-timers, yeah, okay. So yeah. Or anywhere remote, really. It doesn't have to be here. Yeah, well, okay. So I suppose some really important things are, especially if you're not from the bush or if you haven't spent much time in remote areas, I mean, if you're from you know, Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane, wherever, and you haven't been out all that much, um, some very basic things you should probably know is like some basic maintenance and things like that on your, your vehicle and your trailer, especially if you're towing a boat or caravan or something like camera trailer. You know, if you, you know, make sure you keep some spare things like some wheel bearings. You know, the, if you don't know how to do your own wheel bearings or change it tight, you know, get on a bike shop and sell page and offer a bloody car to be to come around and teach you, you know, and, and do those things because not only will it, could it save you a hell of a lot of money if you have problems on the way, um, you know, in, in serious circumstances, you know, uh, could save your life in, in some circumstances. Well, there's certain roads around here that at this time of year, there's no tourists travelling on. Mm. So you, you, you could go at half a day or a day without another car coming past. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, especially if you're you know, travelling with kids or, you know, anything like that. And, you know, and, and as we just said, um, you know, about rescue and Tremaine, you know, make sure you've got plenty of water, you know, I mean, obviously, he, he was only going like a few hundred metres from his boat on a place that he had been several times before, knew exactly what he's doing, extremely fit fella. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, it could have ended extremely differently, you know. Uh, if he hadn't had some more water and stuff with him um, at EPIRB, and I know now wherever he goes anywhere now, he's got a camel back on. <laughs> he's got some flares in it. No, he's got some matches. He just quit smoking. He's got smoking. He's got smoking. So he's got a all the time. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. So, yeah. yeah. So, and obviously, yeah, and he doesn't live around here anymore, but we're still good mates with him. We went, we actually all hooked up around um, Christmas time. Was yeah, it? yeah, yeah, Christmas we just went, oh, this uh, January this year. Yeah, yeah, we went and, um, yeah, caught up with him and <laughs> reminisced on old times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had a. Um, yeah, had a good laugh and a bit of a cry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we brought it up, it was, you know, obviously highly emotional for everyone oh, yeah. involved in it. There was a, it was a very, very tough time for, for everyone. But um, so, yeah, make sure you've got plenty of water. You know, think, basic things like, you know, being able to change your tyres and wheel, bear, you know, wheel bearings, those sorts of things. If you're travelling here and you've got a, a specific type of setup, you know, whether it be your, your camper trailer or or your Toyota or your, your vehicle or whatever, you know, specific parts and things like that, often hard to get. Yeah. Um, if you're coming to King Ash Bay, the servo here has got just about everything you could ever want. Um, but, you know, other places, uh, or if it's, it's you know, very specialised stuff, you know, make sure you've got some parts and you know what to do um, with those because, you know, getting freight in here, getting mail in here, I mean, we call it the snail mail. Um, you'd be better off sending them a pigeon than you wouldn't be with Australia the Post. <laughs> Shout out to Australia Post. Um, you know, it can take weeks and weeks to get stuff here, even if it's express post airbag and stuff. Yeah. There's no express post here. There's no airbags to here. There's two trucks a wing come from Darwin, and if you miss an airbag flight or you miss an express post to Darwin or Catherine, they're not on the truck that week. you got to yeah. wait till the following week. So, but that makes sense. So, so if, if an item is in Darwin, like we can usually get it here fairly quickly we, we, yeah yeah three three to five days sort of depending thing. on which no. truck yeah 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 if you yeah, if you like, enter in perfect you can get it you know within 24 hours yeah but um yeah quite often that's not the case so yeah. and and then you've got to allow for things getting sent out that aren't accurate as well which is yeah you know quite often happens 
Um, you know, some other things, uh, I suppose, um, you know, when you're traveling uh, places like this, we've got a lot of single roads here. So oh, single know, lane, sing, yeah. Yeah, single yeah. lane road. So um, Very um, narrow as well. So you've done how many trips this year to Darwin? Well, 11, yeah. Well, yeah, so my wife and kids, we, we live in Darwin, but I come down here and make videos and stuff like that quite a lot. I've done 11 trips this year. So we're in November. I've done one trip a month pretty much, yeah. So, and what's yeah. our road like now? Oh, look, the one from... Uh, Daly Waters to, to here, the first 50Ks is absolutely gorgeous. Best road in Australia. Here's Every trip I do, they keep, because they're working on it now, they keep opening up more and more sections of it. It's so good, but they're replacing the single lane highway and that single lane, it's like, I don't know. People just need to switch on. They just need to think about what's going on. Like, if you see a truck coming towards you, move off the road and stop and let the truck come past. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I drive in the you know, um, well, what, you know. I used to drive the truck a fair bit to Darwin with um, with all the live mud crabs for the boys before I started commercially crabbing. Yeah. And one of my pet hates was you're in a truck, a much bigger vehicle, takes you a long time to get up to speed, takes you a long time to slow down. Sometimes if it's the right time of year, uh, the, the sides of the road are wet. Yeah. And if you pull off the side of the road in a truck, you get stuck. Yeah, car will be fine. And you get a, a car and caravan, you know, a Toyota pulling the caravan coming the other way and they won't pull off the road or they'll drop two wheels off the road that, and, and keep coming at you, you know, and like, you just can't do that, you know, like if you, yeah. if you see a truck, it doesn't even have to be a truck, if you see a vehicle coming the other way and you're towing a boat or a caravan, it's much better for you just to slow down, pull right off the road, let them go past, give them the whole road, because if you, if you pull off the road two wheels, they pull off the road two wheels, you're both flicking up rocks, that's how you smash your windscreens, you lose your mirrors, all that sort of stuff, you're more likely to do tyres, like, just, just slow down, pull off the side of the road. You're on holidays, yeah. you're retired. Just, well, that's the just one that frustrates me. The, the absolute most is when you pull off the road and you put all four wheels off the road mm. um, and then a car will still drop two wheels on their side. I'm like, well, yeah. well, that defeats the whole purpose of me moving. I, I gave you the road. <laughs> and they're still doing 100 k's an hour yeah. as well and they're flicking up rocks yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. <sighs> they're the blokes you get on the radio and have a chat yeah. to very nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thing, things like that, that I mean... Is. I mean, it comes to experience as well. Like at first, if you're a first timer, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't think about something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, some people just, just simply just don't know. Yeah. Um, but by actually, by law, I believe you're supposed to actually pull off the road for trucks if you're in a, if you're in a normal yeah. car or, car, you know, towing a caravan, towing a boat, whatever. Um, you are supposed to give way to bigger vehicles. Yeah. So you got to, you know, and sometimes they're a triple road train or here yeah. the mining and stuff that's going on, sometimes quads, you know, the yeah. trucks are 54 and a half metres long. And there's some blind corners too along yeah, there too. Which they, so if you see one of them, you get off the road real quick. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and the, the same goes to if you're coming, you know, to uh, here or, or anywhere else where you're travelling on dirt roads, don't travel in other people's dust, you know. Don't do not do that. Certainly don't overtake in dust. I've seen some horror videos. Yeah. Of people. Yeah, because you won't see the oncoming traffic. Yeah. And, and yeah, not necessarily just on, oncoming traffic, but, you know, other hazards like animals, you know, buffalo, horses, cat, cattle, pigs, all that sort of stuff. Uh, big washouts, especially early in the year, just after the wet season, anywhere on dirt roads where they haven't, especially if it hasn't been graded yet, you'll get places where it's washed out and there could be a metre deep hole in the middle oh, yeah. of the road and you go to pass somebody or overtake somebody in the dust then um, if you can't see where you're going just slow right down because so many people get um, get injured or wreck their vehicles and and you know not just it ruins your trip yeah you, know? you, you saved all your money you spent 100 grand on a caravan or a boat or a toyota or whatever and and you 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 planned this trip for the last 12 months and you haven't even made it here yet and you've got to turn around and go home because you've smashed everything up because you were too impatient for the last 
100 k. So, you know, slow down on them dirt roads, obviously. Um, and another thing is, don't always take advice from other people. I found talking to a lot of people here this year, something that's that's come up a fair bit is people can come and ask me what the road's like uh, across the top road and I say okay it's, it's a spectrum yeah in some people's opinion yeah absolutely so, say, well yeah. my first thing is as well how much experience have you got on dirt roads you drive dirt roads all the time never been on a dirt road okay well I'd say that road's horrible yeah. okay yeah. It, it, if I ask the same question and somebody says oh no I've been to the Cape seven times in the last seven years and you know I'd say oh no the road's pretty good mate you'll be right yeah so it, it, it all comes down to people's experience and their expectations so if you're talking to somebody and you're planning to do one of these trips uh, and it couldn't be the savannah away from here you want to go from here across to Dulwich to Karumba or Norlington or whatever and, and you, you've never done it on a dirt road before and you pull up at the servo and uh, say to the bloke in, a, in his you know 200 series Toyota oh mate what's the road like and he says oh no mate she's no worries she's all, all good no drivers just come across it then it's no worries you don't know he might have done that road a hundred times yeah. and it might be the best trip he's ever had but to you it could be absolutely horrible so well, just on a little micro scale here like to drive to King Ash Bay from anywhere the last 21 kilometers here is a yeah. dirt road we get some people that come in come in here and they'll be oh that's the worst road I've ever driven on mm. yet at the same time, back when, say, my wife was driving, she used to work in Borrelor and drove that road five days a week. Mm. And she was four, four months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and drove it five days a week and just, and it was fine. Yeah. And the next person said, oh, it's the worst road in Australia. And my wife's like... Yeah, you know, it's, it's really like that. Yeah. But it, it all comes down to experience as well. Like, if you're towing as well, a bit like if you've got a mistake, some of the corrugations or, you know, like caravans will really feel like you're going you know, to shake all your... Absolutely, and it comes down to some people's equipment as well. Like, I mean, some people might have spent two hundred thousand dollars on a truck. Some people might have spent thirty thousand dollars on a truck. You know, so it, it just depends. You know, as well on what, what what equipment you've got, and not not just that, but that, like really, most of it comes down to um, experience. So, you know, letting your tire pressure down, for example, don't, don't be running bloody a hundred pound. You know, across the dirt road, but especially when it's corrugated, because it will shake you to pieces. Yep. You know, let your tires down to an appropriate level. Um, it's very easy to do now. You can go and go and get. Uh, you know, tie deflators, even set the pressure on them and just plug them in and it'll deflate to, you know, to that pressure and, and then just pump it up again when you when you get to town. Like it's, uh, it's you know, easy things like that. One of the other things which I notice a lot here now I'm driving between uh, King Ash Bay and Boralula is, um, you know, people that, that live, they're towing a boat or caravan, even some people are not towing anything. And they're doing, you know, 15 k's an hour or 20 k's an hour across the corrugations. That is one of the worst things you can do. There's, it's not, it's uh, very similar to driving a boat in choppy conditions. There's a speed in which it's, you know, it's better to go faster yeah. rather than slow. You can either go really slow or, or a bit faster. Yeah, like that, absolutely. That, that middle... Yeah, there's, no, a, there's a no. happy speed there yeah. for it, and and I think generally what it tends to be is the average speed of most of the cars that travel on there is because that's how the corrugations are formed. Yeah, okay, so if sense. you travel at the average speed, which usually on this road here maybe around 80, 85 k's an hour. Yeah, I'll tell most cars to drive at eighty five. Yeah. Yeah, so if you sit on that, you'll find it'll be way way smoother a lot smoother yeah. and again that could be why some people say oh the road's the worst in Australia other people say oh no the road's pretty good yeah so, I'll tell you what else I do when I'm when I'm driving on that dirt road tomorrow alone I am going 85 90 k's an hour mm. I'll, I'll drop it into four wheel drive yeah take it in high four yeah yeah yeah, yeah on, the, on the corners of that just, it just 
feels a little bit more in control. Absolutely. And, and that's one thing too, I suppose, driving on corrugations, especially if you haven't done it before. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of you guys that are, that are listening, they're probably thinking, geez, they're waffling on about dirt roads. I live in the church, we all, oh, I don't want to hear it. That's fair enough. And there's probably some guy in Sydney who's thinking, this is really yeah. important information. I'm writing it down. Well, I think so, being our first episode, a lot of this is... Uh, like we're laying foundations here. This is sort of for the first time, I yeah, reckon. We're talking absolutely. about, we've done a lot of talk, a lot of basics here today. Yeah. So just yeah. going back to that and putting it in high four. So when you drive on corrugations, the, you're almost skating. So it can be almost like driving on ice as well. So yeah. putting it in high four. Especially if you're on a corner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and when there's uh, when the road has a, a camber on a corner or something like that, yeah. you have to be really careful. So putting it in high four is a great way uh, to make sure you, you keep going the right direction. Um, I think all government vehicles now are actually required, um, they're like police cars, ambulances, and stuff like that. They drive on dirt roads, they're all required to drive in high four. Um, that sounds like the dirt. Yeah, that, that's, no. that's required. And I think a lot of NGOs, a lot of non government organisations do that as well. Yeah. They, they, um, in actual fact, some government vehicles that I've been in actually have it uh, uh, marked on the on the vehicle, yeah, and okay. the stickers on the dash saying. Um, <laughs> that would be a very territory thing yeah. to have on your dash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in front of the speedo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, someone driving around Sydney for work probably doesn't need that on there. No, 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 no probably not. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. So while we are talking about the basics, like, do you want to talk a little bit more about King Ash Bay, where we are here? Yeah, so once you've gone across the dirt right into King Ash Bay. Um, if, you, if you survive it. If you, if you survive it. No, it's, it's, it's actually really good at the moment. It's just been great. It's, yeah. Oh, the, um, so um, if you've never been here before, you don't know anything about it. So it's King Ash Bay Fishing Club. Um we're basically 500 acres of land, which is uh, leased in perpetuity for the Northern Territory government. Um, and it's more or less, it's a, the best way to describe it, it's a small town, yes. so we do everything ourselves. So we have a, um, a management team, a voluntary management team, uh, and then we employ staff to run things like we have a, a, a licensed bar and grill. Um, so we have a, a bar manager and a, and a kitchen manager that operate those businesses all for the club. Then we have powered camping sites, unpowered camping sites. So we, we make our own power here. We make our own power, absolutely generate our own power. We have our own garbage truck, our own garbage collection. Absolutely everything's done in house. Pump our own water. Pump our own water. So we've got a bore 10 kilometres away. Um, we've got well, several bores, uh, solar bores uh, that pump water. So absolutely everything that you get in a city we do here ourselves um, which is a you know it's a testament to the club it's you know i think we're uh, it's our 40th birthday next year yeah imagine um, imagine the, the founding fathers of the club from 40 years ago yeah imagine them seeing it today what it is now absolutely i mean this used to be the, the whole club used to be down the river quite a, quite a way yeah. and um you know now we've got um you know amazing facilities uh, with um, really big plans to improve those facilities in the next year or so. Exciting times. Um, we've, we've actually just put in a couple of brand new barbecue areas. Uh, oh, the camp uh, kitchens, camp, yeah. Camp kitchens this year, so we're both in our unpowered and powered areas. We've got um, free electronic barbecues and tables and chairs and stuff undercover for people to use if they're in the powered or unpowered sites. Then there are also people that live here almost full-time. Um, a lot of people live here sort of eight months of the year. So they might have a place in Adelaide or, or Brisbane or Melbourne or whatever, but they also have a place here. So they come here for most of the dry season. So they they Take advantage for, of that weather. Yeah, so absolutely. The weather is so nice here in the dry season. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, nice cool nights, warm days. Um, it is almost perfect weather actually, and that, and that's why it's so popular with people. I think is mostly because that weather. Yeah, well, people come for months of the year. Mm. Like they'll literally 
plant veggie gardens next to their caravans. Yeah, for know? sure, for sure. And I mean, we have um, about a hundred odd actual permanent dwellings that people people live in. Yeah. Um, we've got a few businesses that run out of here. So um, uh, we've got houseboats um, that operate out of here. Uh, we've got uh, cabins. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a, a, a full bar and um, a licensed bar and, a, and kitchen there so you can come and get a meal. Uh, during the season, we're open from lunchtime, uh, seven days a week. That's a new thing this year. That's yeah. a new thing this uh, year. No, that's been so good. Um, it has been really, really good. You know, and popular too. Very popular. A lot popular. of people coming down. There's a, I think there was a few... Uh, Oh, I wouldn't say, I didn't hear negative comments, but people sort of worried about, oh, will, will this work? Will, you know, it, it, well, it's gone really good yeah. this year. So, and it's only, it's only going to keep getting better. So, so if you're planning to come here, um, you can pretty much get everything you need. There's a service station here which supplies um, pretty much everything that you can buy at Woolworths. Or don't fill up your car with with a 20 kilo bag of potatoes, and no. you, know, you, you, you don't need to buy bulk stuff or no. bring bulk stuff. I, the only things you really need to bring are specific things that are that are really obscure things. Anything that's even half normal, you'll be able to get here. Yeah, and. Oh, the other thing is as well, like people, you know, the survey, they do provisioning for people as well. So if you're here during the season and you, you want something that they don't have, which is pretty unlikely, but if they don't have something you want, like, you know, you talk to them over there, they'll be able to order it in for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, even, and even if they can't, you'll be able to order stuff online. You can get mail here. We, we collect mail um, once a week and bring yeah. it into the office here. So, What if, what if someone, uh, someone's boat breaks down? Again, the service stations, the two mechanics there flat out. Um, uh, they're very, very busy because they are quite good at it. So uh, boat repairs, welding, aluminium welding, um, you know, all that sort of stuff you can get done here. Pretty much anything you can get done in Brisbane, you can get done here, more or less. You know, unless it's extremely specific. Yeah. Then. And even, I suppose, we also got our local town of Borrelola, which, what, 40-minute drive away? Yeah, about 40, 40 minutes um, yeah. from here, so, so you can borrow all of them. If you need an, an electrician or something like that, yeah, so, like, well, you, you, you can yeah, maybe you, find one and borrow all of them. Yeah, we okay. There's a she's there. They've got um, electricians, um, you know, plumbers, builders, all that sort of stuff. There's a butcher shop there, um, uh, so you can get uh, fresh meat if you, if you want. Uh, but, yeah, anything you can, you can get in town, yeah. you can get yeah. here. So even though we're so remote, I think you mentioned earlier, 700 kilometres from the nearest traffic lights. Yeah, but near Catherine. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah it's, we're, we're a thousand kilometres from Darwin, a thousand yeah. kilometres from Mount Isa, about twelve hundred kilometres from uh, Alice Springs. Yeah. So uh, we're about three hundred kilometres uh, west of the North Trans Queensland border. Yeah. And obviously, as we talked about the, the islands earlier, so we're Edward Pillow group of islands. There's about eighty islands in the group there, yeah. um, which is the Northern Territory's answer to. Uh, the uh, Whit Sundays, <laughs> and it is absolutely beautiful there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So even though we're in the middle of nowhere, we're still very civilised here. Like it's oh, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> even the I was really at the moment, not the people. Yeah. <laughs> no, the place is fairly civilised. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is quite cool. We have a, we have a great time. And um, oh, we love it here. Like if we didn't, we wouldn't be here, would we? Yeah. So yeah, that's it, mate. Um, so yeah, what do you reckon, mate? I reckon the, the bar will still be open. I wouldn't mind going down for a couple of scooters. Ooh, it could be. It could be, mate. Going to have a couple of scooters and uh, wrap this up. So what are we going to do for people if they... Um, we might drop some at the bottom of the uh, screen there with yeah. an email address. If people want to um, let, let us know... Questions or... Any questions, Topics any they want us to talk about. We're, 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 we're absolutely 
very green at this, especially me. I mean, Mikey's, Mikey's been involved in, in media production and stuff, but, um, you know, extremely green at this. You know, no, I've certainly got no formal qualifications in anything slightly related to this. I'm not going to turn my computer on. Oh, look, oh, yeah, you're, you're a good, you're a good, good, good talker, good storyteller. So, oh. so uh, but yeah, <laughs> any comments, any, um, you know, uh, give, give us some shit if you want, um, you know, but we're out here giving it a go and just let us know what you think. Um, yeah, questions, comments, you know, even if you've, you know, even if you've got any memories of if you've been here before or you met us somewhere or something like that, you've got any, any things you want to mention yeah, or anything yeah. like that, like... Oh, send us some photos, anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um... Tell us to react to something. If you, if you saw something crazy, send us a video and we'll... Yep, we'll put, <laughs> we'll, we'll put, we'll put a leak on anyway so you can, so you can, uh, yeah, I mean, you can do all that sort of stuff. Um, future episodes, our plan yeah, sort so. of is to get people on. Yeah. Um, so um, it won't just be us two bloody buffaloes here boring you. So we'll, we'll try to get some more interesting people than us. Yeah. And um, so uh, we'll, we'll get that happening uh, as soon as we can. Yeah, we're we going to have a schedule. Are we going to try and upload regularly? Yeah, I think uh, at least once a week. I think we'll, yeah, nice. we'll, we'll, we'll try and have one episode a week. Um, sometimes it might, might be just us two. We can then... look back in. Let's pay homage to these guys. Oh, these guys, absolutely. These, these guys so, have been I, a... So I reckon we need to upload... On a Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Well, that's yeah, the tinny uh, used to be done on a Saturday morning, but for the last oh, several oh, years, yeah, yeah. it's 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 been on Friday afternoon. And um, you know, these guys have done such a great job for the territory. They've um, they've produced just you know some of the best yards. And oh, look, that's how good the yards have been. They've actually <laughs> Rob Smith, who, who hasn't been there for for uh, a little while, actually uh, got this book, compiled a lot of these stories, uh, put a lot of these photos in there. Um, you know. Yeah, we're hoping to recreate that here in uh, yeah. in some way. Obviously, again, not trying to uh, you know not trying to uh, copy what they're doing, or you know certainly not trying to be better than them or anything like that. Where we're a, a million miles from being anything like that. Um, yeah. But you know the plan is you know they've given us a bit of inspiration. As yeah, well, so there's just a big hole left in the Northern Territory fishing industry with with absolutely with that yeah, there's not, that's, a lot of people are going to be upset that they're gone so well yeah if you, if you look at their their uh their socials mate you just look at the uh, the comments and stuff there the comment section is absolutely jam-packed um you know with all the all the people there and uh, you know I, was, I know i'm certainly gonna miss it it was always one of my favorites especially you know driving trucks for for a long time you know at 12 14 hours at a time i used to save them up and bake them up and i'd have have you know before i started was he, i think you covered it before but you basically got me into podcasts before i started listening to them and you did. I, I was out one time fishing with you, and you were listening to a to Tales from the Titty. So you were you were listening to a fishing podcast while fishing. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there shaking my head, going, "Is this guy for real? Like, what's going?" On? Yeah. And now, well, I'm fully converted. I love your podcast now. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I completely get it now. Yeah. What's well, absolutely a um, it's a massive part of uh, my my experience now and the way I do things. I mean, I'm listening to podcasts all the time and. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of favourites like Rogan, Alpha Blokes. Um, oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, there's there's all sorts of stuff that I that I love listening to. And I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't know what I'd do now if I didn't have access to those things. I couldn't do the drive. I couldn't yeah. uh, drive driving a thousand kilometres each way eleven times this year mm-hmm. like without podcasts. So it'll I be, can't listen to music for that long. <laughs> no, that's we get you get pretty sick of your same playlist over and over yeah. again. Even with Spotify Premium, you know your, your playlist get a bit old. And you know one of my favourites again was yeah, listen to uh, Tales of the Tinny, and um, you know 
uh, like I said at the start of this, you know, we were planning this uh, for the last few months. Yeah. And then it just happened. Oh, we'd even been talking about the idea of doing a podcast for a couple of years, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we only sort of started getting serious about it a few months ago yeah. and, and putting a plan together. And then, you know, we're just about ready to, to do our first ever episode. And then we just found, found out a couple of days ago that these guys are, are um, unfortunately finishing up at the end of this year. I'm not sure exactly what the... Um, what the story is around that. I know, um, you know, I think what they post on their socials is that it's, they believe it's just their time to finish up. Yeah, like okay. reading the college section and looking at some of the, the, you know, the people that are upset about it, I think, um, you know, they're going to be extremely missed. Um, and, and, you know, I genuinely hope that we can fill a little bit of a hole from that maybe yeah. in the future. That's the best way to describe it. Try and fill a little bit of the hole. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, yeah. There's been a plan in in the works a long time before we found out about that, but yeah. you know it's just yeah a very uncanny coincidence that um, that this has come about, and so maybe this will give people something that they can listen to, and and if if you've got a good yarn or anything like that, um, yeah, get in contact with us, yeah, and uh, you know if you're travelling this way and you you want to have a chat to us or tell us a story, um, it doesn't have to be in this sort of setting. We can you know. We can have a chat to somebody at the pub and, yeah. and have a beer with you and have a yarn and, and, and put you on, whatever. Yeah. So we're, we're keen for uh, anyone that's got a good yarn on them, a good story. Yeah. Let us know and, um, yeah, put it amongst it. All right. Let's shut it down, Russ. Right, mate. What do you reckon? Good job. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Guides in the Gulf.